you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to the Gospel according to John. John's Gospel will be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 this morning. I'm reading from the New International Version. This is God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. God willing, in the weeks to come, we're going to be studying John's gospel. And as we do so, I want you to realize that there are four gospels, four accounts of the life of Jesus. And each one has its own approach, but the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are the most alike. John is different. He takes a different approach. There's not a contradiction between John's gospel and the first three, which are called the synoptics. But John's perspective, he does not include some of the things that the others tell, just as they have differences among themselves, but no contradiction. John 
includes some things that the others did not include. And John is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as Jesus' best friend on earth. Out of the 12 disciples who were with Jesus and sent out by Jesus as apostles, out of that 12, one was, of course, the betrayer, Judas. The other 11 were good guys, relatively speaking. They needed God's grace, but they stayed loyal to Jesus. I mean, they scattered when the going got really, really scary. They, in the case of Peter, denied him, but he repented of that. But out of the 12, there were three that Jesus was especially close to. And those were Peter, James, and John. And this John is also called John the Beloved, because as he will point out in this gospel, he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. How'd you like to have a sweatshirt that said that? Okay? You know, God loves you, but he loves me more. This is talking about simply the relationship that they had as men. Nothing sexual about this. It's simply a matter of deep, close friendship. He was the favorite. I don't think we're supposed to have favorites. We do. Okay? It's not sinful unless you treat the people that aren't your favorites badly. But Jesus, who is perfect, had three men that he was especially close to. And out of those three, John was the one he was closest to. So Jesus' best friend is now inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down what people need to know about Jesus. And he tells us in this gospel, at the end of this gospel, his purpose in writing. He says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs that revealed who he is. So many, in fact, that if all of them were written down, the world couldn't contain all the books. But these have been written so that you might believe, so that you might have faith and trust in him, knowing who he is, because to know him is eternal life. And so he says, that's the reason why I'm writing the way that I write. That's the reason why I'm telling the things that I'm telling. That's the reason for my emphasis. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to trust Jesus. I want you to receive eternal life through Jesus. It's not by what we do, it's by our relationship with him. There's an old expression in business, it's not so much what you know as who you know. And that is often the case. But I'll tell you, when it comes to eternal life, that is definitely the case. The devil knows that the Bible is true. The devil knows that all the miracles happened. He's not a skeptic. The devil even knows that there's a literal devil. And he also knows that hell is real. And that he's headed there. But intellectual knowledge and giving assent to intellectual truths 
is not eternal life. Knowing Jesus is not just about information. Knowing Jesus is a relational knowledge. It is trusting in him. And you can only do that because he's alive. I don't just know about him. I know him. I have a personal, ongoing relationship with him that is continuing to change me from the inside out. So John is writing the way he's writing in order that we might not just know about Jesus, but that we might know Jesus. That's his purpose in writing this gospel. So what does Jesus' best friend want us to know right off the bat about Jesus? You know, what would you say? You may notice that there's virtually no description in any of the Gospels or in all of Scripture, for that matter, of what Jesus looked like. One reference which says he had no form or comeliness that we should desire him. Jesus wasn't attractive. Remember, after all the stuff Jesus had done and the enemies of Jesus who came to arrest him needed somebody to pick him out of the crowd. You remember that? So apparently he didn't, you know, he wasn't head and shoulders taller than everybody else like King Saul was. He didn't have strikingly blue eyes in a field of brown-eyed Jews. Uh, He didn't have clear all hair while everybody else's was stringy and messing and balding and so forth. He, He just looked like an ordinary person. But he wasn't an ordinary person. The first thing John wants us to know about Jesus is this, and this is the main point for today. Jesus is God. He's not just close to God, a lot like God, only one step removed from God. He's God. Now to say that is considered blasphemous by Islam. To say that is considered blasphemous by Judaism. To say that is considered blasphemous by the heretical cult called Jehovah's Witnesses. To say that is robbed of its meaning by the heretical cult, the Mormons, who now want to be called Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Why do you mention those groups? Because I want you to understand that what we're saying here is really extraordinary. It is really radical. We're saying something, whether we are Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Coptic, Protestant, or vigorously non-denominational, we're saying something that Christians all over the world, through all of history, have always believed because it is absolutely essential to our faith. You talk about something that is fundamental. This is it. Jesus is God. Hallelujah! God didn't just send somebody to be a great example for us. As John unfolds this for us in his gospel, we're going to see that he came on a rescue mission. And he alludes to that in these opening verses. It says that 
As many as believed on him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. Now, you, you might feel like, well, I think all people are children of God. Well, Jesus apparently would disagree with you because he says to a group of very religious people, you are the children of your father, the devil. <clears throat> oh, Jesus, that's, uh, that's kind of extreme. <laughs> you know, I, I, I hope you can understand why that would be offensive to those people. We are often concerned in modern evangelicalism about not saying things that might turn people off. We need to recognize that Scripture teaches they are already in the off position. All of us, in our natural state, before we were born again, were dead in trespasses of sin. All of us. It's not like, well, you know, some people are spiritually dead. All of us were. All of us were. It's not certain people who have a sin problem. We all have a sin problem. And John is going to tell us he didn't send his son, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. That's really good news. Jesus didn't just come to show us up and say, oh, you're such a bunch of trash. Look at the way it's supposed to be. Jesus came and showed us what perfect humanity looks like. And then having lived a sinless life, he offered his life as the sacrifice that takes away our sins. So when we're getting to know Jesus, the first thing he tells us, John tells us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is what God wants you to know. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Now, one of the things, I mean, it's just that tells us tons of stuff. It shows us the reality of the Trinity. Because the Word was with God, so they're not the same person, but the Word was God. Was a God? No. That's not what it says. It's not what it says in the Greek. And therefore, the New World Translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses inserts something in order to fit their theology, but it's not in the Greek. Why is that important? Because what you believe about, I mean... Not the perfect analogy, but if I said, uh, this is my, uh, this is Susan. She is uh, one of my wives. What? You mean you have others? No, she is my wife. I only have one. Well, Jesus is introduced here not as a God. He's introduced as God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. He's the one through whom all things were created. Please understand that. It's vital that we understand that. 
Jesus is not part of the creation. He is the only begotten of the Father. And he didn't come into being later on. He's always been. The Son has always been. And in John's Gospel, we're going to be privy to some of Jesus' conversation with his Father about having the glory that he had with the Father before the world began. So understand, he's saying, Jesus, the Word, is God. Well, how do, how do you equate those two? Well, here's why. Because the Word became flesh, verse 14. The Word became a man. He became one of us. The difference between me and Jesus is that I'm not God. Anything else? Yeah, he never sinned. Anything else? Yeah, he wasn't born in sin like we are. We're all born with an inherited sin nature. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, he also mentions... This is John, the writer of the gospel, also mentions another fellow named John, John the Baptist, who was sent by God on a mission to introduce Jesus. And when John was introducing Jesus, there were a number of things that he said about him. He referred to him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He referred to him as the one who would baptize his people in the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's going to be the one who does what no one else has done. But there's something curious that John quotes here that John the Baptist said. John the Gospel writer quotes John the Baptizer as saying, He, that is Jesus, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. What? John the Baptist was older than Jesus, right? Well, humanly speaking, yes. But John the Baptist knew that Jesus existed before him. Because Jesus existed before time. Jesus is God. And God created time, and God created space, and God created matter, and God created everything that exists. Now, where did God come from? He didn't. He's always been. Well, everything else had to come from somewhere. That's because everything else was created by God. Understand this. The reason why God has some things that are different from us is because we are a part of God's creation. So it should not surprise us that when it comes to where did everything come from, everything else came from something else, which came from something else, which ultimately goes back to God creating. But God didn't have to come from somewhere because he has always been. 
And that's why we read here, in the beginning was the Word. Not in the beginning came the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. All things. Imagine how incredibly stupid it is for something that has been made to put itself on a level with the maker. An old friend of mine who's been in heaven now for a number of years, Joseph Bailey, whom I had the opportunity to get to know in the 1970s, wrote a series of little modern parables, one of which was about a computer discussing the existence of man. Think about that. A computer discussing the existence of man and how primitive computers believed that computers were the result of some sort of creation by these things called humans. Modern computers know that there is no need to believe in this primitive idea of man. We believe that computers simply evolved from other computers and basically came into being on their own. Would that be a dumb? I mean, that would, that would not be artificial intelligence. That would be artificial stupidity, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. But look at what happened. He was in the world, verse 10, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The creator of the universe came to earth and lived among us. And most people didn't recognize who he was. Even his own disciples, over and over, and John's going to tell the story, over and over, as Jesus did these miraculous things, they're like, who is this? The, even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this that opens the eyes of the blind? Who is this that raises the dead to life? Who is this? This is the word that became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, full of grace and truth. So he says, no one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, that's Jesus. He has made him known. I want you to know him. I want you to trust him. My life was changed when I moved from simply learning about him to relating to him as one who is alive right now. That means you can talk with him. That means you can listen to him. It means you can trust in him. And if you trust in him, you are given the power to be part of God's family. Hallelujah. How great a salvation we have in Jesus Christ. 
Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener-supported. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. That's Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.